Hello, Consumed listeners. Welcome to the 19th season of the podcast about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers across California, and especially at its heart, the Central Coast. For this season, I'm chatting with food and beverage legends, people who have made a significant impact on their industries and the palates of generations to come. I think you're going to love it. But before we begin, I want to tell you about some of the Consumed Podcast sponsors. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, Cargo Storage Containers, and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods for private collections and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root sellers. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a Mid-State Container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. Okay, on to the episode. There are few businesses I'd travel multiple hours to visit, but Russian River Brewing is one of them, and I am most certainly not alone. Vinny and Natalie Chalerzo are the minds behind Pliny the Younger, one of the cultiest brews in the world and one that is only available for a short time each spring. The brewery only makes a certain amount of this perfectly balanced triple IPA, and it only sells it for two weeks in March. People from around the globe line up outside their two locations to wait for the doors to open, and the economic impact on Sonoma County stands at $6.1 million just for Pliny the Younger Weeks. We talked about Vinny growing up in a pioneering Temecula winery, how they met when Natalie bought booze for an underaged Vinny, and the terror they felt the first time Pliny caught the world's attention. I drove to their second location in Windsor for the day to hang out and chat, and the nine hours I spent driving were absolutely worth it. Here are Natalie and Vinny Chalurzo of Russian River Brewing. 
first time I ever heard of Russian River Brewing was a really good friend of mine in 2010 told me about it, which has to have been pretty early on when you had started outside of Corbell. Am I right? Is that about the time? Yeah, it was. That would have been f- about five or so years after. We, oh, okay. We left uh, Corbell in technically reopened the brewery in 2004. So we left Corbell 2003. And for that next year, we spent it writing a business plan. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but even before that, we had, you know, the writing was kind of on the wall. Yeah. My boss and the powers that be at Corbell had already been talking about, you know, maybe quietly closing Russian River Brewery. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that was after six or so years of it being open. And so we, um, you know, we, Natalie and I started talking about it at home and like, Hey, what do you think about opening a, you know, our own brewery again? But at that point we didn't know that Corbell would give us the opportunity to carry on the Russian river. It's a pretty cool part of that, of that story. So I think 2010 sticks out in my mind because isn't that around the time that lines started forming around the, okay, that's what it is. When the people started demanding more uh, Pliny the Younger mm-hmm. is about the time I think I first heard of you down on the Central yeah. Coast. And then I came up, I was sent up for a press trip to Sonoma for wine. And we went to the Sonoma Wine and maybe Wine and Food Festival. I can't remember, but the one out at McMurray oh, Vineyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the wines were great, but uh, I came home with a whole bunch of. Pliny the Younger, or Pliny the Elder. (laughs) I loved it. That's what I remembered. I came for the wine and I stayed for the beer, which is a common common thing, I think, for a lot of people. But it was so juicy and so... um, I I don't want to say that it was so different, but it was so... So, so, so. all It just feels like it's a lot more of all the good things about IPA. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm not alone in that. Uh, can you tell me a little bit, first of all, maybe about where you grew up, Vinny, because I know that has to do with the success yeah. of the brewery. Yeah, I uh, grew up in Southern California, but specifically in Temecula. And yeah. my folks planted the first commercial vineyard in Temecula in 1968. Really? So they are kind of the pioneers, if you will, of the Temecula wine industry, which has grown pretty significantly. We were just down there a couple months ago, and yeah. you know, I think it's like 60 oh, wineries it's now. And I don't know, what was it when we left? Uh, 13 wineries in Temecula when we left. And yeah. that was in... Two, uh, 1997. 97. Yeah. So it's, you know, in a relatively short amount of time. So it's pretty neat to see, and, it, and it's also neat to see the influence my parents uh, had on so many of the current wineries and vineyards that are there and um, they get a lot of credit and notoriety. Yeah, a lot of um, kind of what I'd call newer wineries showed up. It was Vinny's mom's celebration of life. She passed over the summer and so it was kind of the end of an era and um, all these people showed up to her celebration of life. It was the day of the hurricane, you know, the the hurricane that that, uh, came on land and it was that day and, and we were surprised. It was literally like 150 people still showed up despite mm-hmm. the weather, and there were so many of the newer wineries who had been inspired by Vincent Audrey and had um, had dinner at the house and had been given advice, good or bad, <laughs> by, Vinny's, <laughs> by Vinny's dad, who loved to tell people what they should do. <laughs> and it was great. Um, it was just really, it was just, just a heartwarming 
loving um, afternoon of just 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 you know new and old. Um, Temecula it was yeah. pretty pretty I cool. Yeah, so I I grew up uh, in the winery mm-hmm. and working in the cellar, and yeah, I remember one year when my parents kept me out of school for the first few weeks of was it school harvest? because it was harvest and we had some <laughs> labor had some labor issues and I could pretty much run the winery minus maybe some lab stuff and yep. so um yeah and my mom had been a school teacher previous so I think she just homeschooled me or something whatever yeah. it was but um and then I opened the brewery in Temecula in 1994 called Blind Pig okay is, I is our IPA now a Blind Pig IPA yes I knew you'd um kept or or taken back the trademark or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We we had uh, been watching it after the brewery had officially closed mm-hmm. back in 2004, 2005 when we reopened the brewery, you know, after our Corbell days. But, mm-hmm. um, but back then it was a little cobbled together seven barrel system, so 200, a little over 200 gallons per batch in an industrial park with the office turned into a tasting room. And that's where I made what's now known as the first modern uh, double IPA. And that was at Blind Pig. And then our regular year-round IPA was really, really hoppy. I mean, way more bitter than IPAs are now. Maybe not quite as aromatic, but, you know, kind of the cornerstone was really light in color, which is now where all IPAs have have gone to. And then eventually that same framework became the framework for Pliny the Elder Mm. um, in the you know, in, in how we see Pliny now and drink it nowadays. But, yeah. um, but Blind Pig was this little funky operation. Well, punk rock. <laughs> pretty, pretty yeah. punk rock, industrial, uh, you know, that's before, before that was the cool thing to do in Southern and, California. And there was no IPA, you know, now yeah. IPA is 35, 40% of all craft microbrewed beer. But, you know, back then there was literally only one or two other IPAs mm-hmm. being made in Southern California, one or two in California. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could probably count on, on, you know, your 10 fingers, yeah. most of the IPAs in America. And if they were being made, they were English style yes. and not American style. And, uh, there's this great kind of, kind of hearkening to where you're from. There was this mm-hmm. great IPA festival, all oh, this varietal beer festival down in Atascadero that Wait, was what? in yeah. the mid 2000s. It was put on by a gentleman by the name of Chuck Higgle. Who, yes, you, who may very well actually be on this season okay. of the podcast. That's yeah. funny. I know Chuck very well. Yeah. yeah. You'll have to ask him about the varietal beer tasting that he used to host. And it was we would go, was it, when was that? It, it was, was the 90s. It was, it was during the Blind Pig. Yeah, it was the 1990s. So How said, amazing. Yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah so mid-90s. it would have been the, the mid-1990s, yeah, and we would drive up from Temecula, and it was a varietal beer tasting, which you really couldn't do these days, but yeah. you would eat, you would go to these different stations, and it would have, like, stouts and porters and amber ales and pale ales and the IPAs, and there was, like, seven IPAs, but yeah. you could... You could order all seven of the IPAs, and they would put you at a table, mm. and you would you could taste the flights of IPAs. Why it, do you say that you couldn't do that these days? It was, because there's too many. Yeah. There's oh. too many of the style. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, like when you go to a beer festival, there's everybody makes you know there would be dozens of IPAs, or yeah. you know, and so it would be really hard to order. But it, there was so few breweries back then, mm-hmm. and he would just invite. He wouldn't even invite all the breweries, and and it was just such a unique. Um, 
event. I, it would if you did it nowadays, you'd have to really limit the number yeah. of breasts. Yes. But it was, it was an brought. amazing concept, though, yeah. to to be able to go to a table and just say, you know what, I'm going to taste all eight stouts or yep. IPAs. Yeah. And, I would actually and love and that. Chuck would yeah. drive all over mm-hmm. the state <laughs> grabbing kegs, and we we he did it two years, if I remember correctly, and mm-hmm. it was probably 94, 95, 95, 96. And we would have our our blind pig IPA there, and mm. it was definitely is that where the we met Arnie? Beer. It might have been. I think we met yeah, Arnie Johnson, formerly Marin of Marin Brewing, there, yeah. and I think we might have met Lauren from um, Anderson Valley, Valley Brewing yeah. there. So yeah, that's where in we, a Tascadero. Yeah. Well, because it was kind of Central Coast, yeah. and so we were yeah. in Southern California and Anderson Valley and Marin or Northern California, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like meeting in the middle. And we were all kids yeah. at the time, and yeah. you know, and was, Chuck has great taste. Also, he's yeah. a connector, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, that was so you know. So it. long story short, we end up you know, leaving, selling my part in Blind Pig, and we end up in Sonoma <laughs> County, and <clears throat> we knew Corbell was opening a brewery, which turned into be out to be Russian River Brewing Company, and Natalie was uh, going to finish going to school up here at Sonoma State mm-hmm. and jump into the back into the wine industry because she was also in the wine yes, industry. Yes, I was going to ask about that, Down too. in Temecula. So, so you knew each other. How long, how far back do you go? <laughs> <laughs> well... Um, Vinny was 19 when we met. I'm an older woman. I was 21. (laughs) (laughs) Scandal. uh, He invited me to his 20th birthday party, and that was our first official date. Uh, We went to um, this place in Escondido, because you couldn't get craft beer in Temecula at the time, or microbrewed beer, as we called it back then. And that was in 1990. And uh, we were going to his friend's house for his birthday party in San Diego. And he gave me a hundred bucks and he told me to go. Vinny gave you a hundred bucks? Vinny gave me a hundred bucks and he said, go in the store and buy these beers. (laughs) And I I was like, it was was called Holiday Wine Cellar. And Uh Holiday is still there today at this now in Escondido. And they sell our beer, which is great. So the story comes full circle. I mean, I don't even know if they care about this story, but it has a sentimental place in our heart. And uh, so I walk into the store and I have this list of beers that I'd never heard of to buy. It was Pete's Wicked Ale and Sierra Nevada and <laughs> Liberty Ale. Liberty yes, Ale yeah. and, you know, maybe some import or yeah. something like that for this $100. And I was like, wow, that didn't go very far. <laughs> <laughs> Even then. So anyway, yeah, on our first date, I contributed to the delinquency of a minor. That is a pretty <laughs> sexy first date. Yeah, and the rest is history. I love it. Well, I also just love that you've known each other so long yeah. and, and yeah. that it goes yeah. back far. Yeah. Your family was in the wine industry as well? No, actually, I come from the automotive industry. Yeah, um, my dad, um, my family raced cars growing up. Cool. And uh, my dad was always in the automotive industry. He was in tires. He was um, a parts guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he eventually bought a gas station, a Chevron station up in Julian, California, oh. in San Diego. So yeah. we moved from Orange County to to Julian um, when I was 13 years old, so mm. uh, my freshman year in high school. So I got to finish my my growing up years um, in a teeny, teeny, tiny little town in, that in is the mountains tiny. in San Diego. I went from a high school of 2,000 students to a town of 400, 1,400, oh sorry, oh a, a school of 200, <laughs> a town <laughs> of 1,400. So yeah, it was a big culture shock for me. But you know, I 
still believe everything happens for a reason. My mm-hmm. parents got to own their own business and I worked in their gas station mm-hmm. and um, I pumped gas and washed windows and I learned how to drive a tow truck. That <laughs> so is great and at, handy. At and 16, handy. yeah, I was driving. I was helping my dad um, with the tow truck and um, I can back up a trailer, which is a unique skill. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I was raised around cars, mm-hmm. so that's pretty much my, my background. Yeah. And then, uh, but in high school, uh, my mom and dad had gone to a New Year's Eve party, and they met this couple that was opening a winery in Julian. <clears throat> and my mom was like, ooh, she get a job there because she wanted to get wine. <laughs> <laughs> smart, smart <laughs> She mama. wanted cheap wine. And I'm like, okay, sure. So my friend and I went and got a job there labeling on weekends. I had just mm-hmm. turned 16. And I started working in the wine industry um, literally like within a month after my 16th birthday. And um, I ended up after high school, um, uh, lived in San Diego for about a year, and then I moved to to Temecula area Mm -hmm. and started working in the wine industry there. And then um, I met this guy. Yeah. Um, So I, uh, yeah, so that's how we met because he was uh, working at his parents' winery down the street from one of the wineries I was working at. It's funny. So I've, I've enjoyed Russian river beer for a while now and I've known about Chalurzo, but I never made the connection. That's so interesting. (laughs) I've done some press tours down there too. I never made that connection. (laughs) That's really interesting because you really, I mean, in terms of California, those are two very different places, Temecula and Sonoma County. Yes. Yes and no? Or? Oh, no. no uh, fairly different. No. I, you know, it was actually really fun for us to be down there in August for Audrey's celebration of life and, and connecting with what I would call the new world, you know, yes. wine industry. Yes. And like Robert Renzoni is a great example yes. of somebody who makes great wines and um, has a beautiful winery we had lunch there with the family one day mm-hmm. and um you know just there the, a lot of the winers are really doing a fantastic job and oh for sure the wine industry has really 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 come a long yeah. way since the days when we were there when probably every winery had Britannomyces and yeah. you know there and, was and and bought their fruit from elsewhere there yeah, was a lot of there was, stuff. and there still is quite a bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they still get fruit. I, interestingly, I think there's a lot of fruit grown in Ramona now, mm-hmm. which is um, down the road from from Julian, which is interesting. I'm sure a lot of them mm-hmm. get fruit from from Central Coast as well. Sure, but We're, your parents did grow. Yeah, it, we we grew yeah. Petite Syrah, and yeah. then all the grapes we 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 did about ten thousand cases a year, yep. and hundred percent of our grapes were Temecula. Yeah, which is yeah. And, um, amazing because that's not a hospitable place for grapes unless you know what you're doing. I exactly. Think. Yeah. yeah, you but you have to do the research and make mm-hmm. sure you're growing the right varietals because yeah. it's really um, it's a very sandy soil mm-hmm. down there. It's because it's a little more desert like, yeah. and so the soils are quite different than here in Sonoma and Napa and, and, and the climate. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna grow a great Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir. down no. there, no. for example. But, no. you know, they've a lot of wineries have really figured out that Italian varieties, yep, Rhone varieties right. do quite well. You know, if you are going to grow, like I remember growing up Sauvignon Blanc, like those yeah. would be so like grassy and because there wasn't yeah. enough leaf, leaf thinning going on to let more light in. and Because it was about volume. Probably the yeah. same with cab. You know, if you didn't like thin the leaves, you you ended up with a really just almost herbaceous yes. green. Green but peppery, I, I remember right. that. You know, the wineries mm-hmm. have 
really figured it out and the vineyard managers and crews down there. So it's yeah. kind of, it was, it was neat to be back down there, but, um, yeah, we do. And, and we always love wine tasting in the central coast when That's we're there awesome. for the Firestone Invitational every sure. year. We have a, uh, a kind of a standing date at Thatcher every year. Oh, for, uh, what a beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So beautiful. Yeah, Matt and Allison got married there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. They oh. have a beautiful barn. And uh, yes. they, I don't know if they still do events there, but uh, Matt and Allison had their wedding yeah. there, and it was oh. a lot of fun. And we were like, this place is really cool. So now we, we go wine tasting there every year when we go back. That's it's always always fun for us. But... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. We've talked so much about wine, um, considering where your lives went and how they've impacted <laughs> other people, other people's lives. Um, but from, so you talk about Blind Pig just starting it, you know, kind of casually, but you must have been quite young starting that. I was 23. Right. And I had a business partner and we had an investor and, you know, like all or many small businesses, uh, you know, we were so under finance yeah and that's ultimately was the demise of it but uh so much learned so much from it and really ended up being at the forefront of of almost everything hoppy beer yes. related i mean things that you know the not to get too technical that brewers talk about now like double dry hop mm-hmm. you know triple quadruple dry hop meaning you're making multiple dry hops over you know a certain number of days or you're doubling the quantity i mean we did all that back in 94, well, 95, 96, just, just experimenting mm-hmm. with, with anything. Um, you know, and even the early days with Russian River at Corbell, um, you know, like making a wet hop beer, which is mm-hmm. using freshly picked hops that are unkilned. Um, I believe we're the second brewery only after Sierra Nevada to do a modern I want wet hop beer. And just, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I think one of the tough things in the craft beer industry now is that if you're a new brand, you know, how do you get, you know, awareness from the consumer? Cause it's so crowded, you mm-hmm. know, the flip side for us old timers is that, you know, our brands are well established, but I also was at the forefront of a lot of things. And, and I want to know how that happened. I mean, to be considered, you know, in doing research for this episode, I see that both of you have been called icons, legends. I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you how you, how it feels to be called that, but um, I it takes big swings to become somebody like that. You have to swing really big, and there are a lot of whiffs for sure. Um, anybody who's successful has definitely done that. But why why champion? that style what was it about that and especially i'm thinking about the double ipa what made you decide to do that? what compelled you to do that i think it was a lot because it's what we like to drink uh home brewing mm-hmm. the you know the base blind pig recipe back in 94 the original version was really a, a, a homebrew recipe that we that we eventually you know converted to a, a commercial recipe and mm-hmm. You know, the big hoppy beers, I mean, back then you would homebrew because you couldn't buy what you wanted to drink. That's interesting. And and so we, you know, stumbled on this flavor profile using what now are considered, you know, old, you know, land race varieties, Cascade, mm-hmm. um, Centennial, mm-hmm. 
Columbus and Chinook. And the interesting thing is, you know, nowadays with modern IPAs, those are minimal parts of the recipes. Mm -hmm. You know, brewers are using Citra, Mosaic, mm -hmm. Simcoe, Amarillo, New Zealand hops that thinking, are yeah. going crazy, um, that are just like so full of flavor and aromatics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in the in 94 Centennial, which is an old standby hop now, and a lot of people use it, it had just been released maybe four years prior to that yeah. when i when i was homebrewing in the late 80s i remember going to a homebrew shop and seeing this bag called cfj90 cfj90 ended up becoming centennial right columbus had only been released right around that time in fact we couldn't even buy it in 94 so it didn't get added to the recipe until 95 so the hops actually in a certain respect drove that interest because they can you came across them as they were just coming up and then you start coming up with them yeah, yeah, we kind of, I guess we kind of came you up grew together. together. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but you know, we really like that flavor profile. Yeah. And, you know, American IPA wasn't a thing yet. Mm -hmm. um, Pizza Port down in San Diego yeah. was, was making one. Uh, you had a brewery up in Sacramento called Rubicon yes. that has unfortunately closed. Their IPA was very iconic and mm -hmm. influential. Remember Butterfield? And then Butterfield mm -hmm. was in Fresno. Or Baker's uh, they, they started after we did, I believe, but they, they made an American IPA. Mm -hmm. um, I think Arnie was making one. There, yeah, there weren't really the too many else. I mean, yeah. they Hence were the varietal beer festival. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Right. There yeah. were only a handful. They were all yeah. English, mostly English yeah. Style IPAs and a lot of them were coming from the East Coast, mm -hmm. um, but not that not that aggressive American style that we think of now, or is what we really call West, West. Coast IPA. Yes. And so, for your listeners who maybe don't know the difference between American, and English I was going style. to ask if you could even explain like why it's called India Pale Ale. A lot of people love IPAs, but I don't think they know the the genealogy of yeah, it. Yeah, and so India Pale Ale is originally more of an English beer. Um, I mean, the old wives' tales that they would throw hops into the vats of beer to help preserve them as they were shipping them around the horn, mm -hmm. I guess the cape, and um, and that would help to preserve the beer, I'm, I'm assuming, because there's a layer of hops on top, <laughs> because hops are actually more of an oxidative ingredient in the hops. I think that's just an old wives' tale, but... Yeah. Um, but they, they, uh, that's kind of where it came from. And so this additional dry hopping mm -hmm. of beer with likely wet hops or, or just dried hop flowers or whatever. Um, but, but an English IPA tends to be more malty. Mm -hmm. It's not very hop forward. Um, so you can certainly, because it's more malty, it would have more unfermentable sugars and on the sweeter side, whereas this American, especially the West Coast style of IPA that Vinnie kind of helped champion, you mm -hmm. know, back in the 1990s, um, before it was a thing, wasn't called West Coast IPA, no. we just called it IPA, um, tends to be on the drier side, it doesn't have, it has less crystal malt, and mm. um, it's, it's, it's a clearer beer, you know, more of a bright amber color, or bright kind of light yellow color. And juicy as all get yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Compared definitely. Compared to being more amberish in color, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. which would be from the crystal malts, which add sweetness and um, also add some oxidative mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just kind of what we 
what we did. And, we liked um, hop aroma. We liked bitter. Yes. So we liked, you know, definitely. We have hops on our wedding bands. By yeah. the way. Can I see? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vinny's has worn off a lot because oh, of his because of his, of his work. work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We actually, oh, I just had a beer. Beautiful. I just had a beer a couple weeks ago with our jeweler. He was in town. He lives. He's still in La Mesa. He's still making beautiful jewelry, and um, he um, he and his uh, wife uh, were in town and and had you know somehow contacted me, and so we went and had uh, beers together at our Santa Rosa pub, and it was really cool. And he, I remember taking him a bottle of um, Mendocino Brewing Company Red Tail mm-hmm. Ale, and um, going in the way back time machine here um, for your listeners who are over forty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Red Tail Ale had a had hops on the label, yes. and so we bought a bottle of Red Tail and we took it to him, and so we were like hops on our wedding band, and so he he designed our wedding bands after the hops on a bottle of Red that Tail. That is fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. And actually, hops right now. I mean, it the look, the smell, the yeah. presence, the you know the the energy behind hops. I've been to weddings where they are strung over the you know like the gazebo where yeah. somebody gets married. Yeah. And they're just gorgeous. They're really a beautiful plant. Yes, yeah, they're really gorgeous. Yeah, so, yeah. My husband and I spent a good amount of time in New Zealand. We went for wine, and we yeah. we went. Um, I worked for Alan Scott Winery, which owns Moa uh, Brewing in Blenheim, and so we went for the wine, but we ended up working for Moa and lots and lots of beautiful, hoppy, more West Coast style, actually, um, IPAs. And when I smell the hops, I mean, I just, yeah. it, that brings it back. <laughs> but what, okay. That's what I was doing this morning. I, mm. I in our little pilot brewery downstairs. Oh, did you smell that brewer's gold? I, I racked. Uh, <laughs> Is that the brewer's gold? No, no. The, oh. I racked the, um, uh, we make a New Zealand IPA called mm. Dr. Ron mm. and it's named after arguably the Michael Jordan of hop mm. breeders in New Zealand. Yeah. His name's Ron Beetson, and he was here earlier this year brewing with us in person, and oh, so cool. we named a beer after him. And uh, <laughs> he was he was on tour for this newish hop variety um, mm. called Nectaron, and it's like nectar as in like nectar of the gods, mm-hmm. nectarine, orange. But his you know, name? And then Ron on the end of it. And um, I mean, he's, he's literally touched like almost every major hop that's wow. come out and so he's in his retirement but we now have this little fun side project of brewing a beer called dr ron in our pilot brewery. yeah we just um won a medal at the gabf with dr ron <gasps> hey yeah. Yeah. ron was pretty excited but those those new zealand <laughs> hops we were they're special we, we were late to the game definitely mm-hmm. getting into them because honestly you couldn't a you couldn't get them mm-hmm. but b um and and I think many New Zealand hop growers, if they heard me say this, would agree that they the industry down there really didn't have their um, the quality checks mm-hmm. in place yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matt from Firestone spent a lot of time down there and you know championed the hops a lot sooner than we have mm-hmm. and are. But um, but I really feel like now they've they've really got a lot of yeah. checks in place and. And the quality has really improved. You know, the, the the thing about hops is if you you can grow the most amazing hops, but you can instantly screw them up when you kiln them. You can mm-hmm. kiln them at the wrong temperature for too long. Your bed depth could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you, your picking window could be could be off. And and so you know all those things 
and then and then you get to pelleting the hops, yeah. converting them. And if you pellet at the wrong uh, temperature or whatnot, you can really burn them as they mm-hmm. get pushed through the dyes. So um, and then unusable. Yeah, and then they're unusable. And uh, and and boy, the New Zealand hops now are just super special, along with the mm-hmm. fact that they bred some amazing. Yeah hops like Nectaron. And now it sounds like the infrastructure's there to get it safely to people and to process it and all that. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it would be good if you could tell a little bit the story of the Pliny's, Mm -hmm. how they came about, and also the names are really (laughs) interesting. I'm embarrassed that I... I had to go and kind of look. I know who Pliny the Younger and the Elder is, but I want to get a better sense. And so I know that at least the Elder was alive, like, not too long after the death of Jesus. I mean, it's like way back. Um, Yeah, he was born in 23 AD. Yes. And then died in 79 during the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. That's right. He died in the... Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Younger was his nephew and adopted son. Mm. And he, um, he, he survived the eruption. I don't think he was there, um, or at least not close by. And so um, we know a lot about Pliny the Elder because of Pliny the Younger's writings. Mm. And mm-hmm. so Pliny the Elder was a, was a Roman naturalist. He wrote um, the first... Uh, kind of technically a book of encyclopedia. It was a three-volume set called The Natural History. Um, somehow we ended up with like an early printed copy, which is really making me nervous having it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you shouldn't yeah. tell people that you Well, I, I know. And, and some guy ended up with like the whole set like printed in like the 1600s. He's oh like, here, God. you should, here's the book that has the writings about hops. Of course, I can't read it because it's in Latin, but... I'm like oh, I that's really, a lot. I really don't want to hold on to your book. Mm. Like I really, I need to contact that guy and be like, I'm going to drive this back to you. <laughs> yeah, he's a professor at one of the universities, and he just thought it was really cool, and he thought that it we belongs should, with him, and yeah. we should borrow it. And I'm like, and uh, <laughs> with all the fires we have around here, I have right. it. I have it like wrapped up, like securely in a box in our house. There's like, there's no way I would put it on display. No, because it's so. just like it needs to be under museum glass. It's precious. <laughs> It's precious. So yeah. he spoke about hops then. He, he did. Wrote he wrote about, about hops. He wrote about how they grow. He wrote about their uses. Um, you know, it's not sure if he and his contemporaries came up with the first botanical name for hops, but mm. he, I believe, references the bot- yeah. first botanical name for hops, which mm-hmm. is Lupus salicarius. And uh, it's now called Humulus lupulus. Um, but yeah, so he wrote a lot about hops. And so, you know, b- back in the day, I mean, Pliny the Elder... Um, the beer came about in 1999 when um, one of Vinny's accounts at the time, uh, Vic from the Bistro, whom we're still really good friends with, he he called Vinny and said, hey, I want to do this double IPA festival. And you're one of the five brewers <laughs> yeah. that I know that might be able to make one of these things for me. Can you can you make one for my festival? And Vinny was like, yeah, sure. Sounds like fun. So he comes home and he said, hey, Vic called and he wants me to make a double IPA, which Vinny... And and I actually I was there that yep. day that Vinny <clears throat> brewed the inaugural IPA at oh. Blind Pig Brewing Company and has which is what we think might have been the very first known 
double IPA brewed um, on a commercial scale. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we were like, well, we got to come up with a great name for this beer, right? So it's got to be big. It's got to have personality. And Mammoth was taken, so we couldn't do that. It's Mammoth Brewing. No, that's not right anyway. And then it's we were right. like, yeah, yeah. and then we were starting to go. I remember going down like the wine bottle yep. path. Yeah. And so that kind of took us into this historic Mm-hmm. kind of path and so we were like Methuselah Balthazar oh, oh, and then we were like looking through beer books and then we stumbled across this guy named Pliny the Elder mm-hmm. and um, it was it was it, it actually we were looking up the botanical names for hops and it drove us to this guy named Pliny mm-hmm. the Elder and we we're like that's cool let's do that <laughs> that's cool <laughs> that's how it happened that's how it started and that that iconic red circle with the white letters yes. Vinny literally made that in Illustrator <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It is like it was a free logo, and it was <laughs> yeah. really easy to make. And um, it it's just uh, it's really it's such an organic story that I think people don't really understand how how silly and how naturally organic the whole thing ever came about. It wasn't like it wasn't a marketing department sitting in a boardroom, yes, throwing up stuff on a white screen and being like, "What's gonna stick?" It was literally too. Young people sitting at home, drinking a beer, looking through books, and being like, "We got to name this." That's a cool beer name. <laughs> that is a cool. Well, you know what? I I firmly believe a marketing company could not have done that. No, because it's too no real. It's yeah, it's and just funky too real. and nerdy and yeah, all of that. it's just it's so out there and um and and so that's how Planning the Elder um came to be, mm-hmm. and um and that beer um has been brewed consistently since 1999. It's crazy that that was a commission, so to speak, for for, your, for a beer for, festival. Yeah, yeah. I would think that uh, Pliny would have come around eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would think that would have been a style that Vinny would have probably not too long after that been like, you know what, I I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I, so I'm not. I but I think that that Vic had inspired us yeah. to kind of just get it. It was a, a fun excuse to. To do it, yeah, and then um, and that was Pliny the Elder, and then and, and before we talk about younger, I think it's also important that this uh, experimental hop I had just used mm-hmm. um, was that Centennial. That was uh, no, that was Simcoe, which oh. was YCR zero one four zero one four, and the YCR is Yakima Chief Ranches, and um, and so I had been running through all these experimental hops that um, the now famous in the hop world, Jason Peralt, mm-hmm. had bred um, with his mentor, Chuck Zimmerman. And Chuck had just recently, at the time, passed away. And so uh, Jason carried YCR 014 over the finish line and mm-hmm. eventually became Simcoe. And that became the cornerstone of the recipe. Mm. And... Um, and so there's, you know, at the time we weren't brewing the elder year round, mm-hmm. but once we left Corbell and I traded them my severance for the Russian River name and all the beer names, which mm-hmm. included Pliny, um, we made Pliny the elder year round beer. So that started in 2004. And so, and, and it's kind of cool because you can watch the trajectory of Pliny grow albeit slow, and Simcoe. and Simcoe, yeah, and the two go hand in hand. Again, well, I mean, this is becoming a, a pattern, right? It's yeah. like as as those hops become available, you find them, you champion them, and then everybody yeah. grows parallel. Yeah. 
Well, Vinny, I mean, this YCR014 was reportedly down to one acre, and they were about oh to rip gosh. it out. They were about to rip it out, and then Vinny made Pliny the Elder, mm-hmm. and a lot of brewers were intrigued by the hop, and so they were now inquiring about how to get this hop to try to brew with it. And so it literally, Pliny the Elder literally saved Simcoe. Um, wow. what, what the hop that would become known as Simcoe, which was the first um, really modern day um, propri- proprietary yeah. hop. Yeah. And so it's really um, interesting. It's a really, uh, it's a deeper story mm-hmm. than just, you know, the birth of <laughs> the beer, yeah. Pliny the no, Elder. It just it has a lot of, you know, a lot of, it touched a lot more people than mm-hmm. like we didn't even realize at the time until mm-hmm. much, much later when we met, finally met the farmers and they were like, you know, you saved that hop and you saved our farm and you saved, you know, you, you, it's like, it was just really like we had no idea um, the impact that Pliny the Elder would make. That's a huge responsibility. The the beer industry. Yeah. Yeah. And also in the, in the hop world. And then I think that, you know, because Simcoe's popularity was, was growing and um, because brewers were so interested in, in this hop in particular, that it really inspired the, the hop growers to experiment with other mm-hmm. varieties. And so, you know, Simcoe is related to, to other, other hops like Mosaic. Simcoe mm-hmm. is, is Mosaic's mother. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's pretty neat to see them coming up with all of these new and exciting hop varieties. And then shopping them around like yeah. you were just talking about them. Yeah, and, you know, we talk all the time amongst our, our brewer friends and amongst the growers about all these new experimental varieties. And so we're all playing around with experimental varieties and mm-hmm. experimental hop products. And that's that's what that's Vinny's full-time job now down Is in it? the pilot brewery. And he loves, tomorrow, he loves it. Tomorrow <laughs> I'm brewing with a new hop uh, called Tangier. It's from our friends, our friends at Siegel Ranches, which is in Grandview, Washington, which mm. is kind of top part central. of the Yakima Valley. Yeah. And um, we we rubbed Tangier for the first time uh, this year, just, gosh, maybe six weeks ago. It was beautiful. And mm. it was, I couldn't stop smelling my hands. I felt oh. like I was in an orange grove. As a, I, there was a lot of oranges in Temecula growing up, so you'd have that smell yes. of yeah, orange that's oil. Southern yeah. California. Yes. Oh, the blossom. Oh, my gosh. And, but, yes. yeah, or when you open, you peel an orange and the oil, that yeah. smell, that's what my hands smelled like. And so tomorrow mm. we're, we're brewing with Tangier. It'll be the first time it's ever been brewed with and um oh, we're su- cool. i'm super excited for this hop i'm just mm. crossing my mm. fingers that what it smells like will translate, translate into the beer because that doesn't always happen but simcoe was really interesting because i can remember brewing it and we have a recipe that we use that's a single hop mm. mm-hmm. brew recipe and uh so nothing changes other than the hop variety and using Simcoe at the time, and I had never made a beer that was so aromatic before yeah. we dry hopped it, dry hopping being the process when we add hops to the beer after it's done fermenting. And um, remember having a brewer friend stop, happen to stop by and he smelled it and he goes, oh, this smells amazing. I said, that's not even dry hopped yet. <laughs> yeah. So Sim- Simcoe was really that hop, like Natalie said, that was the first proprietary hop uh, mm-hmm. out there about the same time Amarillo was was also coming along but mm. it was it really kind of set the stage for what would become now the cornerstone of most modern hops or incredible. have have been bred with a real focus to try to find a overly aromatic 
hops, mm. and now suddenly bitterness didn't matter anymore. And the, you know, hops at the time were all about bitterness, and mm. that's all the big breweries wanted. But was, now we want floral and all yeah. of the characteristics yeah. that that season the beer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, when you measure hops, you look at alpha acids, mm. and we're a part of uh, this nonprofit called the Hop Quality Group. And Hop Quality Group's kind of this liaison between growers and brokers and brewers. And uh, our slogan is, is oils over alpha acids. So we uh, want the hop oils. Yes. And the alpha acids really aren't as important. If anything, I'd like to see the hop breeders lower the alpha acids, mm-hmm. try to get lower alpha acids, but keep the high oil content because you can actually use even more mm-hmm. hops that way because you'd have less bitterness being contributed. Do you think that American tastes, or even let's just say, sorry, backing up, do you know from your sales and analytics, how how does the rest of the U.S. outside of the West Coast, how how high is the drinking on West Coast IPAs? Is it pretty high? Yeah. and, and it's, it's consistent across? It's, it's consistent, and it's, you know, hazy IPA really um, took off however many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but you now are hearing a lot of those brewers are all coming back to still making a hazy IPA, sure. but they're coming back to making a West Coast okay. style IPA. But around here, West Coast IPA never it's, went anywhere because that's, although we do make a hazy IPA, it's yeah. well under 5% of our production where yeah. Pliny is like probably 60, 65% blind pig, happy hops. Our three, our three IPAs that are out year round are all clear. And you know, our, our hazy IPA is just more of an occasional Mm -hmm. thing that we brew. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's been a great challenge, but we're, we've always been more of a a West coast IPA brewery. And, um, and you know, we also believe that you don't have to be all things to everyone. And so it's okay that we don't, like make an imperial stout per yeah. se, or but we don't drink it if you did. So <laughs> <laughs> we don't drink it if you did. Well, we make a really nice imperial porter, yeah. which is yes. out right now, or shadow of a doubt, which is beautiful. But is that in in bottled? Yeah, like we just downstairs that it. I could bring home uh-huh, to my husband. Yeah, okay. yeah, Great. we just released that, yeah. and that's pretty tasty. But you know, to Vinny's point, I think the West Coast IPA has really dominated at least the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, Numbers wise, like analytics wise, I'm not really sure what, you know, what the, 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 what the regional trends look mm-hmm. like, but I, I think the hazies really kind of more took off in New England on the West, on the East mm-hmm. coast and, you know, maybe had some success yeah. in other parts of the country, but I think that was pretty, pretty concentrated. Well, I, I ask coast. because <laughs> American taste, you know, do you think that the love for hops that Americans now have. Do you think that the American palate demanded that? Or do you think that people started making very hoppy, juicy West Coast IPAs and people were like, oh, that's that's good. That way, because okay. we were brewing, brewers tend to brew what they like to drink. Yeah. And so right now there's a big trend to like lagers. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so yeah. because we all enjoy drinking lagers mm-hmm. and we're all kind of tired of really big beers and, you know, while the IPAs are really nice, um, you know, sometimes it's just too much. Like you don't like want 8%. that percent, <laughs> Or <laughs> even, yeah, Aww. you just don't want that much beer. You want something that's just easier to drink. And mm-hmm. then sometimes, you know, really, I mean, some the, the lighter styles 
Um, if you're really trying to nail a style, it can be more challenging because, mm -hmm. because the flavors are so nuanced and the aromas. And so you have to, you know, you have to be a little more particular with the malts that you use mm -hmm. and, um, with the types of yeast that you use and, you know, fermentation, um, you know, uh, pr practices and, and the way, you know, like we put all of our lagers through open top fermentation mm -hmm. and we just know that, 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 um, is just that it presents a much, much better, cleaner, brighter beer mm -hmm. at the end of the day. We're actually investing in some lagering tanks now because oh, we, wow. horizontal. yeah, some yeah. horizontal oh, cool. lagering tanks yeah. because we feel like we're going to make better loggers mm -hmm, yeah. doing that and so i think that's that's been a real fun challenge for a lot of brewers and so what i'm seeing is the brewers are interested in making these beers and and so the public is also interested in yes in drinking what the brewers are interested in making and so there's a little bit of yeah while there are consumer trends that a lot of people follow mm -hmm. such as seltzer or you know hard kombucha or things like that um that's that's fine mm -hmm. um or at the na which is great it's yeah. really nice to see a lot of craft brewers you know jumping in to try to make na beers which is really hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> to make a good na that doesn't taste like wort feels like things are changing there it feels like there's a demand for it that's interesting yeah, there is a big demand for it i think bart watson said that na beer still barely accounts for one percent of the oh, total beer sure. market so yeah. it's not huge but i would say that's a lot bigger than what it used to be a lot of pregnant women it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, who, a lot of pregnant who normally drink beer <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with alcohol. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, younger drinkers yeah. aren't necessarily um, either drinking at all or not drinking a lot or, you mm -hmm. know, they're just, they have different drinking habits than certainly our generation does. Yes. Yeah. What, what is interesting though, is that, you know, our, our IPAs, particularly Plenty of the Elder and Plenty of the Younger, they've always been, I mean, they've always been really aromatic. Mm-hmm. They've always been really big, juicy, full of hop flavor, but they've also have and still do a really firm bitterness. Yeah, and that has changed. The one thing that um, New England hazy East Coast style IPA has brought to the table was a less bitter IPA, mm -hmm. and that those hazy IPAs typically are more sweeter, mm -hmm. which we don't tend to like personally, mm -hmm. but a lot of brewers have now applied that less bitterness to their West Coast IPA. Yeah. And so West Coast IPA, for the most part now, is a lot less bitter than it was even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but that's something we haven't changed in Pliny you the Elder. You have not adjusted or, that. No, we like Pliny is still a really firm bitterness and younger um, is... Tastes less bitter than the elder, um, but mainly just because of the dynamics of what the beer is. At some point, you can only add so much hops mm -hmm. to a beer, and you kind of hit a point of diminishing return. But yeah. you know, thankfully, you there's still. It, I think you need that bitterness yeah. to balance the hops and to balance, you know, the, all that hop aroma and the alcohol. Yeah, there's it's a like, lot there. Yeah, it's plenty. The younger is over ten percent alcohol, and you know, yeah. alcohol adds sweetness. There's mm. a there's a sweetness that that comes comes from that and so i think you really need that bitterness yeah. to balance all that all the aroma and all the sweet that's coming coming yeah. with it so how did Pliny the younger begin <laughs> and how soon after elder did it begin uh 2005 okay. so when we op we opened our pub in april of 2004 and it was 
a very different time in, in our company, in our lives, and it was very slow. Mm. And um, and uh, we just, Finney was like, we need to brew something to drum up some business in the slow winter months. Let's and make a 10%. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is like, well, we have, you know, we talked about we have Pliny the Elder, and so it was like, we should make Pliny the Younger. But mm. we had a discussion should this be a bigger beer or should it be a smaller beer? Because of the na- because of because the it's Pliny the, the younger. Yeah. Should it be because it's a sun? Should it be a smaller beer? Should it be a lower alcohol beer? Something that we might call a session IPA today, yeah. Yeah. or just an IPA? We might. Should we just make an IPA or or should we um, should we go bigger? And we but decided to go is bigger. More like- it's big. Yeah. It's a big. Crazy. It's big, and we were well. We we were thinking bigger because it's winter, mm. and um and just bigger and and also harder, harder to yeah. make, more challenging. You know, I remember Vinny saying, "I just I really want to push it with the Pliny the Elder recipe," and um, you can kind Younger. of talk about yeah. talk about yeah. how you kind of developed that recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that first year, um, I think it was like eleven and a quarter percent. It was oh, it so was boozy. stronger than yeah. it is. Yeah, we've settled hot. in on ten and a quarter now, and it's been ten and a quarter for many, 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 many years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was really taking once we decided that okay, we're going to make it as a stronger version of Elder. Um, there was going to be a through line of a similar malt bill. Um, add some more malt. Add some more sugar. Uh, to the you know beer to make it more fermentable to give you more alcohol but the, then the through line was going to be simcoe and amarillo hop mm-hmm. simcoe is still the cornerstone of of plenty of the elder mm-hmm. and the younger and then amarillo comes in in second and then we just pepper other hops around it and we've we've never made the younger as the same recipe two years in a row we're always oh, really? at least making minor tweaks to it huh. And, and I think that's, I mean, in general, that's our beers tend to be more concepts than mm-hmm. they are a recipe. We're mm-hmm. always tweaking stuff, probably now more than ever that we have a pilot brewery and we're yes. testing all these new procedures and processes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, I can't really speak towards the rest of the hops because they do tend to change, but it is still predominantly Simcoe. And Simcoe has this really beautiful, it can, depending on the picking window, when you select your Simcoe, let's say it picks within 10 or 12 days, the early part would be uh, like the first few days of the picking window of Simcoe hops would be grapefruit. Mm. The middle picking window would be more pine. Mm -hmm. And then the end would be more like pungent dank. And then if you get like early mid you could have some grapefruit and some pine and that tends to be where natalie and i select our simcoe fun that you even get to think about that (laughs) that's cool yeah Yeah. and and then and then like amarillo is going to be like classic amarillo is going to be stone fruit so Mm. peaches and apricot apricot and and that that sort of thing and so we're looking for very specific um amarillo as well and those those two hops constitute like 61 or 62% of all of the hops that we purchase. Mm-hmm. And then everything else falls off a cliff after those yeah. two. <laughs> um, and, and so younger now, you know, the, in the current version of the recipe, it has mosaic in it, not mm. a lot, a little, it has, um, citra in it. Um, you know, citra is the darling IPA hop in the industry. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, if you throw Amarillo, Simcoe, Mosaic, Citra into a recipe, unless you contaminate your 
beer or something, you, you're going to... It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, the the hop <laughs> the hop breeders made it so easy for brewers to make IPA because those hops just have so much flavor. Yeah. Uh, but but Pliny the Younger, you know, say, okay, so it doesn't have a lot of mosaic. It's got some, so it's contributing some of that, like, just general fruit character, which is what the mosaic yeah. name references. Citra is really citrusy. Um, but you can get other flavors in there. But like there's we have a French hop called Elixir in mm-hmm. Younger that has now kind of found its spot. And that has this beautiful strawberry, almost like dirty strawberry note to it. It's really beautiful. <laughs> um, but it, but Younger also now has uh, nectar on okay. in it. And that was in 2023, the uh, first time we ever used it. And that will now have a forever home because yeah. it was so impactful mm-hmm. that the consumer... We had so many consumers say, oh, my God, what did you do this year? So yeah. we just added nectar on. That was it. Tell me about the marketing part of this, because that's critical <laughs> to this story. And by the way, I love hearing that Younger came about as kind of, not, a, not a desperation move, but as a we need to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love hearing that because that's, you know, the best stuff comes and, out of when you're like, something has to happen And here. the first uh, 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9, Nothing. nobody cared about nobody paid no you could you could show up a month later and we'd still have it on tap and then in 2010 i showed up to the santa rosa brewery this is before we had our big production brewery here that we're at today in windsor and we always released it in february yeah always Mm -hmm. always the first friday in february because of how you did it the first time is it just like yeah yeah we just kept doing it the first friday in february Mm -hmm. yeah and uh there was people outside and i could see that they were lined up so I kind of peeked out the window. I said, all right, well, let me go get the t- keg tap like I would normally do that first Friday of February. Tasted it. Okay, it tastes great. And um, and that would be that. And, mm-hmm. and But I went outside and talked to these folks, and I asked them what they were doing in line. And Why are you here? That's I did. And I said, you know, we don't <laughs> open for four hours. And they said, oh, well, we want to be the first to get Plenty of the Younger this year. And I, I said, well, why? And they said, well, don't you know it's ranked one of the – top beers in the you world and no. we didn't know and I no asked idea. by who and mm. they said oh we'll rate beer and beer advocate and that was really the first time and now we have untapped which everyone uses yeah. and untapped you know is more about check-ins it's more like classic modern social media yes. whereas at the time rate beer and beer advocate were more about beer enthusiasts like writing paragraphs of you know descriptors that we that probably better than most breweries could write I, I who that first, you know, there's always that critical mass that builds. I wonder what, who those few people were that really stirred yeah. the pot. Do you have any idea? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you know, it was the Alstrom brothers that started Beer Advocate. Yeah. And, but um, the actual consumer, I... They're I, just, I, they were just beer geeks. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and, and they were just like-minded And people. there's a tipping point yeah. and somewhere in there. And yeah. social media was starting to gain some, yeah. some energy, some inertia behind it. But the unique thing about the younger was that we still only released it, you know, at at the time it was the first Friday of February. We didn't have the big two week release like we do now, where mm. we guarantee that we'll have the beer for two weeks. We sold growlers. Uh, yeah, you could. Buy, we and, used and to do growlers. A, a oh yeah, I thought a, you still did. Do you a oh, handful gosh, no. of a handful no. of accounts <laughs> would get kegs, but not that many people got really could taste it so we still are kind of baffled at how that that in 2010 how it turned into the 
basically we sold 620 gallons in eight hours. You must have and been shocked and we were, very pleased. We were in pain. Yeah. Uh, we, it was really a painful day. I mean, Vinny Terrible. Was, probably like one of our worst Oh, was it because service. turning people away? Well, or? no, we didn't turn anybody away. Yeah. We let everybody in. Yeah. We didn't have security at the time. <laughs> oh, we didn't have yeah. bouncers. Yeah. We didn't have a line. We didn't have yeah. wristbands. We didn't have, we were understaffed. We didn't, you know, there's this line of people out the front, but little did we know that also there was a bunch of cars out back with people sitting in them because it was cold. Yeah. And oh, so Lord. we have a front door and a back door. Yeah. And so when we opened the front door and the back door and turned the open signs on, not only did everybody in line in the front door come in, but everybody was in their cars came in the back door. So we didn't even have, you know... Queuing, we didn't... Yeah, we didn't have any of that. And it was just, it wasn't busy. It just, we weren't busy at the time. And so we we went from not being a busy little brew pub in Santa Rosa to all of a sudden having like 200 people inside Mm -hmm. with a line out the door. And we had a limit of... Um, three, four growlers per person, because we had already started seeing our beer pop up on eBay, and oh um, and we weren't, gosh. we really weren't packaging much at the time, and so we were seeing growlers of our beer pop up on eBay because growlers were one of the only ways you could get our beer. And I didn't know that there was beer on eBay. Oh, I had no idea. Well, that's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so we were like, well, we kind of sensed that we might be a little bit busier because we were getting some emails and phone calls. Like, when are you releasing Pliny the Younger? A, why do you care? B, mm-hmm. on this day. And so, great. Hope to see you there. That'd be great. Please come in. Wish there should be like 10 or 12 other people. And um, and then, you know, we were totally caught with our pants down that day. Yeah. And um, every, anybody who... Any employee who came in to taste younger that day was put to work. Any friend who came in that day was put to work. And All so hands. Vinny set up shop back in the cold box. Um, I remember drilling a hole through the back of the cold box in the back yeah. and put a tap through, like literally on the spot, oh, so, that on we the could, fly. so that we could be filling growlers. Yeah, so we had the, we had yeah. one serving tank full of younger, and that was pretty much our younger yeah. for the day. And then and then up front we had two. We'd done two taps. We had one tap to start, and so you created two taps. And so I stood behind the bar. I had just had knee surgery, and I stood behind the bar, and um, I I bar backed that day, and I, I filled uh, half ounce, half half you know half glasses, the ten ounce glass of Pliny the Younger out of one tap, and Growlers out of the other. But I just remember the wheel. <laughs> For anybody who's ever been in the restaurant industry, you know what I'm talking about. So the wheel is the tickets that come out from behind the bar and also in the kitchen. And so um, if anybody who's ever had a traumatic experience in a restaurant has nightmares about the wheel Mm -hmm. going off. And so the wheel is just going off and it's just literally like a roll of toilet paper just going out on the floor. All I did, all I would do is just rip the tickets off and I would just put them, they were in a pile. Like trash. (laughs) Behind the bar because it didn't matter. I was just, all I was doing was putting half pints and growlers at the end of the bar and the servers were coming up and taking what they needed. And you're saying that this is that first time in 2010. This is, yeah. So I like to, no warning at all. I like to compare Pliny the Younger to a bar band. It's that band who just plays gig after gig, night after night, year after year, making a hundred bucks a show. Everybody lives in a van. You're hauling your own gear around. You have your own PA. You know, you're just doing your thing. And uh-huh. and one night, you know, somebody from a record company comes to your show and they like what they see. And then the rest is history. And so that's kind of how I compare 
Pliny the Younger. I mean, the, the original logo was very rudimentary. Again, something Vinny created an illustrator. I love that logo, actually. Yeah, and it was literally, it was, again, another thing that we just came up with. It's like a wine, an old wine label, actually, a lot. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's seriously, this came about so organically, and I, I can't tell you how many hundreds of interviews we've given about, about the marketing of mm. Pliny the Younger, but they're really isn't any it's consumer driven Mm -hmm. it's 110 percent consumer driven we've never taken out an advertisement for planning the younger but you keep it allocated still well we only make it once a year and so by design make it more by design we have to well no we couldn't it would actually be a very bad business move it's the most expensive beer we make it takes Mm. the longest to make and it would literally it would be financially a very bad move unsustainable it would be an unsustainable financial unsustainable move um, it's actually not a good beer to make on a regular basis it, we would actually our total production would lower by quite a bit because it would tie up so much tank space the ingredients are very expensive because there are so many that go into this beer like I said it's the most expensive beer we make we can only I mean we can only charge so much mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. and we're only willing to charge so much for it could we get 20 bucks a bottle probably but do we want to no we don't we want it to be accessible mm-hmm. for everybody who comes and so really the only marketing that we do is informational <laughs> yes you know right. we want to get information out so people know what to expect about the release and and what How we're doing take. Yeah. yeah and so we've we've changed it so much over the years you know eventually we learned that we needed security well we didn't eventually we learned that day bananas <laughs> yeah no we, growlers growlers no. by eleven ten that morning we said no we're never doing growlers again because already people were putting their growlers on eBay for thousands of dollars even before they got their growlers and so I we just I we sold I remember we filled 815 growlers that day and so a growler our our two liter Pella bottle is a half gallon growler so we filled so how many gallons of beer we had 600 gallons of beer so over 400 gallons of beer went out in a growler that day. So that means about 200 gallons was consumed on premise. 400 gallons left the premises in eight hours. And a lot of it ended up on eBay or Craigslist Mm -hmm. or in some bootleg fashion but you know a lot of it uh, was enjoyed which is which is wonderful and um and that's great and you know i i still run into people to this day who were there that day mm-hmm. it's like always, woodstock yeah <coughs> yeah it is like woodstock and we all reminisce about what a what a weird day that was so Vinny, <laughs> um Vinny was actually sick that day he ended up going to the emergency room the next day with no <coughs> a really bad case of bronchitis i ended up um I could barely walk because I just had knee surgery, but I had to make an emergency delivery of Pliny the Younger to an account in the city. Remember that? Yeah. So I had to throw um, some Pliny the Younger. And actually, it, did, was it emer- I don't even remember if it was an emergency or if it was it planned. We were supposed to go to an event at the Toronado. I remember this. Um, but I had to make a delivery to an account. And so I do it by myself because he's in the emergency room. <laughs> so I'm loading up our truck or pickup truck with kegs of Pliny the Younger and like cases of some sour beers or whatever. I go by city beer store. I make the delivery. I go to the Toronado. I go to the event. <laughs> so, so <laughs> It was sick. such a wild time. Yeah. It was so, as I think it was 
Beer Week, too. Yeah, I think probably. Beer Week started yeah. about that time. I don't sure. know. It was so wild. Anyways, that was the only time that Pliny the Younger was only available for eight hours. Mm. Uh, otherwise, um, we've changed it. We've Over the years, we added wristbands. Um, when people started selling wristbands online that you could get at Party City, we realized we had to <laughs> do custom wristbands. So now we spend thousands of dollars on custom wristbands. Um, we hire security. We have tents. So it's not heaters. just expensive to brew. It's expensive to protect. It's expensive to put on. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's still to this day, it is an unticketed event. It uh-huh. is it is free to come here. It's open to the public. It's business as usual. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. It's first come, first serve. It's first come, yeah. first and serve. We like There's it that literally way. like, yes, totally. is, it's not, I mean, we it's it's an event, but it's kind of in a way not an event. It's a, it's a beer release. We're, mm-hmm. re- we're releasing our beer. <laughs> um, anybody is welcome. You're welcome to bring your kids. You're welcome to bring mm-hmm. your pets. You're welcome to bring your parents. Um, Windsor's been a lot of fun because we have tours here. Yeah. And so we offer tours every day during Pliny the Younger. You can mm-hmm. taste Pliny the Younger on the tour. That's and fun. so we actually promote that. Like, hey, you don't want to wait in line to taste Pliny the Younger if you want to check out the brewery. Um, you can, you 15 can, bucks for it's, a tour. Yeah, 20, 20 bucks now, it's 20 it bucks, yeah. but it's 20 bucks for an hour guided tour. You get three tastes of beer. You get to taste Pliny the Younger. You don't get line cutting privileges. You don't get anything other than to go on tour. And it's really, and people love it. You've they, kept it so accessible yeah. in that way. We really do. And, um, now, uh, in 20, I don't know what year that was, 19, 2019 or 20, right before the, the pandemic thing. Um, 2019, <laughs> which, we started bottling. I was actually here in 2020 yeah. at this location. I oh yeah. It a little uh, wild days yeah. before the world shut yeah. down yeah, yeah. Um, that was interesting um, we started bottling yeah. Pliny the Younger oh you did for was... retail only so we don't distribute it uh-huh. and um, you can buy it um, we have a two bottle limit mm-hmm. per person per day people come back uh, multiple mm-hmm. days especially mm-hmm. the locals because they'll drive by to sure. check out the line a line's a little short on Tuesday at 6 <laughs> yeah. o'clock on my way home from work uh huh you know, honey, I'm going to pop in to grab a half a beer and yeah. a couple of bottles and or meet me over here or whatever. And so it's cool. And um, and so we have a limit, two bottles per person per day, and they're only available in our gift shops. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not not, gift I'm shop. sorry, not the gift shop. They're only available in the pubs. We don't sell them in the gift shop. So oh, you can't okay. bypass the line. You have to wait in the line. doesn't matter. People come up. They're like, I just want to buy two bottles. Yeah, I'm like... That's the line. All well, these you have a system that works. And, <laughs> and you know, for there's been a lot of super popular, hyped up cult, you know, whale beers mm-hmm. that some still out there, some have come and gone. Um, but Plan of the Younger is pretty remarkable because it's a two week event now, and we see mm-hmm. it for for fourteen days straight. And and it's Nat- hard. Natalie, and year after year, and, it's yeah, exhausting. Yeah, and we we tell our staff every year, and our staff laughs at us. But you know, we we truly have this kind of belief that like, what if nobody shows up? Like we Aww. we have this thought. And I think that's, that's I'm what sorry, drives but that's us. <laughs> that is not happening. No, it really, it's true. I mean, because obviously the beer industry has changed so much yeah. since we released it. Next year is the 20th anniversary for our pub downtown. It's also oh. the 20th anniversary for Pliny the Younger. Oh. And so we're definitely planning a little bit more of a celebration. Mm-hmm. And um, we're excited about that. We're going to. We're just we're we just can't believe that people still come from all over the world and yeah. you know especially after the pandemic because we were like what 
what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, when we were able to have the in-person release again, we, it was just, we had no idea what to expect. We didn't know if, if people were willing to come and be in large groups anymore, mm-hmm. if they even wanted to, to invest the time and the effort to come. It, it was such a wild card. And so we were just so pleasantly surprised in 2022 mm-hmm. when people sh- showed up they did they showed up again and and it was mm-hmm. it was wonderful the demand to see. is still there things come and go like you said the beer yeah. beer industry changes what's available taste changes but i don't see this changing anytime soon but yeah, what yeah. do i know though we i don't know not. i mean we yeah. hope not but yeah. you know Vinny and i are we're, we're really paranoid and we're really Mm. we're like we're always constantly paranoid that 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 this won't be a thing anymore Mm -hmm. and and we'll be talking about it 30 years from now or whatever 20 years from now like remember the time remember when people used to line up to drink our beer and you know but i think it's (laughs) it's important to have that paranoia because it makes you push and it makes you try harder and it makes you and diversify right yeah and it makes you every year you're just we're always pushing the envelope and we're always impressing upon our employees like we can't tell you how important customer service is right Mm -hmm. now it's important every day all day but during Pliny the younger it's extra 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 important because Mm -hmm. that is that's the wild card for us. Like we know we can make great beer. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that you know the kitchen can make great food, mm-hmm. um, but that customer service. And so the the team gets they get tired. Yeah. Fourteen days is a long time yeah. to be on like one hundred and fifty percent and to go one hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, like both locations <laughs> for all fourteen days have a line from the the whole you know, day like, you know six yeah. eight to eight, six to eight hours before we open yeah. to when we close we have moratoriums on time off during that time yeah. we reiterate how important it is to take care of yourself yeah. and be healthy <clears throat> and you know we limit our employees to one one drink and they can drink Pliny the younger every single day mm-hmm. during work for and their shift beer for their yeah. shift beer they're allowed to have it's a one and done so mm-hmm. they can't take seats from guests you know so things change a lot we tell them, please don't go out to the bars after work like you normally do. I need you to go home. I need you to get some rest because tomorrow morning you got to get Drink up. Drink some and tea, take a bath. Yeah, do this yeah. again. And, you know, a yeah. lot of our, our veteran employees have been around for a really long time. We're really proud to say we have employees who have been with us for 20 years next right. year. Um, they uh, they they kind of teach the new ones. Mm-hmm. This is this yeah. is how you get through this 14 days. Because it's like I, I was I, – I kind of – Compare it to like if Vinny and I got married every day for 14 days. That's what it's like. It's like having a wedding for 14 days every day. Yeah. It's it's really it's exhausting for us, but but, but, we it's, love it, but it's exciting. Of course you love it. But it's so Both. exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's motivating. It's it's like inspiring. And we love to go out and walk the line, talk to people. Mm-hmm. The the events the line. Once you get inside, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. kind of business as normal. But we'll we'll get out and every day. One or both of us mm-hmm. will walk the line at both breweries. And yeah. it's really great to see the same folks coming back mm-hmm. and then meeting their friend that they brought. And people oh, having reunions t- and oh. people who met in line. Well, then, like, they're all from all over the place and they'll, like, have an annual oh, reunion and get back so together cool. for yeah. Pliny the Younger. And, like, I so met a couple <clears throat> this year in line that um, both had gone to Sonoma State. They used to go to the brewery on Sundays because Sunday's happy hour at the brewery <laughs> still. And um, they ended up starting dating because they'd met at the brewery. And now they have an annual Pliny the Younger date, uh, date with their, now with their son who oh. was in his little 
Pliny the Younger gear from last mm-hmm. year, and it's pretty cool to 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 meet those people yeah. and hear those you stories. You facilitate that, and, yeah, and it's really you know. it's it's a it's not a it's not like um it's not like a festival or like a typical beer event because it's so chill. Yeah, it's just so it's chill. Waiting in line, it's just yeah. literally just kind of hanging out in line. But like Finney said, that's where the real event is, and it's 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 really neat to see people meeting each other and like, hey, where are you from? And like, tell mm-hmm. me your story. How many times have you come? And then for us to, <clears throat> you know, walk the line and see people that we've seen year after year, and maybe see their families grow. Like maybe maybe she was pregnant last year, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe this next year you know, they have their new baby and then it's just really sweet to see, um, just all the people and we're just, we're grateful. They just keep showing up. I love that. (laughs) It's great to get your perspective though, too, from an outsider's perspective. I could see where I, I would just believe that that whole, the, the mythology around it and the way that it's happened was only a great blessing, only a great um, asset, but you know, all assets have liabilities and it's, it's actually really cool to hear the, the true story of what that's like for you. Let me, let me ask you, I ask everybody this, we could, I get the sense we could talk all day. Um, I just, it's so interesting. If you, if it were the last day of your life and you wanted to celebrate, you're like, we've built something remarkable here. It's going to outlast us, outlive us. Mm-hmm. What would you eat on your last day? Mm-hmm. And what would you drink? And who would be there? And you each get to have your own answer. <laughs> you want me to take that first or you want to? Well, it sounds like you have an answer. I don't. Yes, you I, sound I, I don't. I just... <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go with uh, probably some... Pasta, maybe pasta puttanesca, something mm, we mm-hmm. have uh, that we make at home every so often, and um, and it would it would be a mix of beer and wine mm-hmm. um, if I can have both. Of course, and um, you know I'm a I'm a huge fan of uh, Britannomyces finished beers, mm. so like Orval. Yeah, oh, um, Orval. I had my first uh, a couple of years ago. Oh uh, yeah, just so love it so much. It would definitely. There would definitely be some Orval there to celebrate, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, some wine. We're I'm a big Pinot fan, mm-hmm. but um, we've been lucky enough to sort of be arm length family of Silver Oak, and I still oh. love Silver Oak. Natalie worked there for mm. for many years in the tasting room, and it'd probably be my my Cabernet of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be Silver Oak, and we use Silver Oak barrels mm-hmm. for our. Uh, barrel aged beer consecration. Mm. So we, um, that would be my, and people there. Um, well, Natalie, thank you. Um, I mean, how many people, whatever you want, (laughs) whatever you want, it's your day. It'd be our industry friends, Garrett Oliver from Mm. Brooklyn, Matt and Allison from Mm. Firestone, the Grossman's from Sierra Nevada are close friends of ours and inspired us. And, um, Dick and Kim. Yeah, Dick and Kim. Uh, John Mallon. Yeah, so probably the uh, same folks that Natalie would, would list. Yeah, yeah. Tommy yeah. from Lost Abbey. Yeah, and, uh, maybe Julian yeah. and Fawn. Yeah, what would your... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be certainly all the same people. And, you know, obviously we don't have time to mention all the people that we'd want. Yeah. 
um, to have there. But uh, oh, Yvonne should be yeah. there. Oh, and and, and all the Van Roy family. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, are those all? Those are all brewing community yeah. people. Yeah. Well, yeah. that yeah. just goes to show. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Your community yeah. is so tight and yeah. lovely. I just yeah. love that about the. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's one Gosh, of the coolest done, things. Now I'm thinking about all the people that I'd want there. Yeah, um, yeah I would definitely, definitely have some Blind Pig IPA because that's my yes. my uh, sentimental favorite and yeah. also my favorite beer to drink. I do like the Happy Hops as well. Um, I'm a big Sauvignon Blanc drinker, mm -hmm. so um, yeah, lots of Sauvignon Blanc. Um, anything that Vinny makes. So Vinny's a mm. great cook. Mm. And um, mm -hmm. so whatever whatever Vinny's cooking, mm -hmm. I'll eat that. <laughs> Did you grow up with a, like home style Italian food? Um, you know, my mom cooked a lot. She was. Canadian. My dad mm. was Italian. Um, my mom did all the cooking in the family. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, so we had pasta yeah. quite a bit. But um, rarely did we make homemade pasta. It was yeah. always you know my folks were too busy with the winery. My dad was a television lighting director in all that oh. as well. So mm. that's how they funded the winery. So they, they worked a lot of hours, but, um, yeah, we, um, we, we love to cook and, mm -hmm. um, but it definitely, that started for my mom. And you're saying anything he makes, you're down? Pretty much anything. But as I'm thinking about this pasta puttanesca, we were just um, with um, <laughs> Sean from 21st Amendment last weekend mm -hmm. at, a, at a party at Dick and Kim's house. And we were talking about having a pasta puttanesca off. And um, <laughs> Ken Grossman and Sean and uh, Vinny would be the, the chefs. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of us would be the willing judges. Um, judges. Yeah. yeah. And so obviously Sean would need to be there from 21A. Yeah. So, um, so I'm thinking maybe, maybe Ken, this is our pasta puttanesca off <laughs> and the three of you are making pasta puttanesca. The rest of us are drinking and watching. Yes. This is going to be a really, this could be a really fun party. <laughs> this is like, I really a, like where this is go going. Go big and then die. Like yeah. the best way to die. No, this is fun. I don't, I, I don't, just, this is a great party. We might, can we just throw this party yes. and maybe it not be the last day of totally, our life? <laughs> totally. This is idea making. Thank you. Yeah. That's a great question though. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love it. Yeah, usually it's the desert island beer question. No, no, no. Yeah. I think so, it's but important. I like this one. This I think is it's a, important to yeah. say no, no, no. <laughs> and yeah. and like this is so special. You want to celebrate. It's not a sad yeah. thing. It's no. like yeah. a, it's not like you're in prison. Uh -huh. I, I remember an article in the Wine Spectator decades ago. You know, remember this article? And it was about it was about who? What's the order? This was what actually is, in the press. Enterprise. No, I thought, no, I think well, I thought it was the Wine Spectator. Yeah, I thought it was in the newspaper. Oh, I thought yeah. it was in the in the but Spectator. Regardless. Anyway, it was so long ago we don't even remember. Um, <laughs> it was it was what what should you choose first? Should you choose what you're going to drink, the guest list, oh. or what you're going to eat? And so it was, it was, that was the order. It was that first you need to choose what you're going to drink, mm -hmm. and then you need to decide to invite people over who are going to appreciate. What you're going to drink. That is. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then lastly, then you design the menu around what you're going to drink and the guest list. And, and I just, I think Vinny and I, great it's kind formula. of a great rule to live by because, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people just do that naturally. Like, oh my gosh, I really, we have this magnum of. We have this. That's yeah. What, we, we have, have this. this we have this magnum of 20 year old silver oak. Like. Mm. Who should we invite over to enjoy that? You know, or I have this vertical of of Pinot Noirs, or I have you know these really special beers. 
that I want to taste for Christmas. You know, who should we invite over? And then after that, then you kind of design the the menu. So I'm I'm sure a lot of your listeners are like, oh my, I already do that. Well, we're going. So this will come out on December first. We're going into the holidays. It's a good time to yeah. think that way. Yeah, so. yeah. It's it's a good. It's kind of a good. You know, just kind of life. Role mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I, I kind of already do that, and it totally makes sense. <laughs> you you have done so much for a bunch of different industries. You've done so much, obviously, for the hop industry. You've done so much for your employees, um, for you know the brand that will outlive you, but also for the economic impact of Sonoma County is just really incredible. Mm-hmm. And so, on behalf of beer drinkers everywhere thank you so much for making what you yeah. do and also for coming on the podcast oh, of course I mean, we yeah. appreciate you coming lot of by fun. the brewery and yeah spending a little time with us here we really appreciate I'll it I'll have to make it an annual thing please do okay yeah, yeah that'd be come, fun come, come during Pliny the Younger, younger and check it out <laughs> first yeah. in line that's yeah. me yeah. alright thanks it's actually you fun you can sit up here and you can watch the people <laughs> oh you'll let me in here oh sure yeah. I did a yeah I did a podcast during Pliny the Younger on line culture oh I yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, maybe I have to do. We mine. had a long conversation about line culture. It was actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. Thank thanks. You. That's it for another conversation on the Consumed Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Sign up for the newsletter at letsgetconsumed.com and follow along on Instagram at consumed.podcast. This podcast is edited by Chris Lambert and produced by me, Jamie Lewis. Until next time, thanks for listening.